0: Section 11 of The Little Angel and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Little Angel and Other Stories by Leonid Nikolaevich Andreev Translated by W. H. Lowe Silence Silence, Parts 3 and 4 Part 3 out of the house father ignati had much talking to do with his ecclesiastical subordinates and with his parishioners when he was performing his duties and sometimes with acquaintances when he played with them at preference but when he returned home he thought that he had been all the day silent this came of the fact that with none of these people could he speak of the question which was the chief and most important of all to him which racked his thoughts every night why had vera died Father Ignati was unwilling to admit to himself that it was impossible now to solve this difficulty, and he kept on thinking that it was still possible. Every night, and they were all now for him sleepless, he would recall the moment when he and his wife had stood by Vera's bed at darkest midnight, and he had entreated her speak and when in his recollections he arrived at that word even the rest of the scene presented itself to him as different to what it had really been his closed eyes preserved in their darkness a vivid unblurred picture of that night they saw distinctly vera lifting herself upon her bed and saying with a smile but what did she say and that uttered word of hers which would solve the whole question seemed so near that if he were to stretch his ear And still the beating of his heart then then he would hear it and at the same time it was so infinitely so desperately far father ignaty would rise from his bed and stretch forth his clasped hands in a gesture of supplication and entreat vera and the silence was the answer he received one evening father ignaty went to olga stepanovna's room where he had not been for about a week and sitting down near the head of her bed he turned away from her doleful obstinate gaze and said mother i want to talk to you about vera do you hear her eyes were silent and father ignati raising his voice began to speak in the loud and severe tones with which he addressed his penitence i know you think that i was the cause of vera's death but consider did i love her less than you you judge strangely i was strict but did that prevent her from doing as she pleased i made little of the respect due to a father i meekly bowed my neck when she with no fear of my curse went away thither and you mother did not with your tears entreat her to remain until i ordered you to be silent am i responsible for being born hard-hearted did i not teach her of god of humility and of love father ignati gave a swift glance into his wife's eyes and turned away what could i do with her if she would not open her grief to me command i commanded her entreat i entreated her what do you think i ought to have gone down on my knees before the little chit of a girl and wept like an old woman what she had got in her head and where she got it i know not cruel heartless daughter father ignaty smote his knees with his fists she was devoid of love and that's what it was "'I know well enough what she called me, a tyrant. "'You she did love, didn't she? "'You who wept and humbled yourself.' "'Father Ignati laughed noiselessly. "'Loved. "'That's it. "'To comfort you she chose such a death, "'a cruel, disgraceful death. "'She died on the ballast, in the dirt, "'like a dog which someone gives a kick on the muzzle.' "'Father Ignati's voice sounded low and hoarse. "'I'm ashamed.' I'm ashamed to go out into the street, I'm ashamed to come out of the chancel, I'm ashamed before God, cruel, unworthy daughter, one could curse you in your grave. When Father Ignati glanced again at his wife, she had fainted and did not come to herself for some hours, and when she did come to herself, her eyes were silent, and it was impossible to know whether she understood what Father Ignati had said to her or no that same night it was a moonlight night in july still warm soundless father ignaty crept on tiptoe so that his wife and her nurse should not hear him up the stairs to vera's room the window of the belvedere had not been opened since the death of vera and the atmosphere was dry and hot with a slight smell of scorching from the iron roof which had become heated during the day there was an uninhabited and deserted feeling about the apartment from which man had been absent so long and in which the wood of the walls the furniture and other objects gave out a faint smell of growing decay the moonlight fell in a bright stripe across the window and floor and reflected by the carefully washed white boards it illuminated the corners with a dim semi-light and the clean white bed with the two pillows a big one and a little one looked unearthly and ghostly father Ignati opened the window and the fresh air poured into the room in a broad stream smelling of dust of the neighboring river and the flowering lime and bore on it a scarcely audible chorus apparently of people rowing a boat and singing as they rowed stepping silently on his naked feet like a white ghost father Ignati approached the empty bed and bending his knees fell face down on the pillows and embraced them the place where vera's face ought to have been he lay long so the song became louder and then gradually became inaudible but he still lay there with his long black hair disheveled over his shoulders and on the bed the moon had moved on the room had become darker when father ignati raised his head and throwing into his voice all the force of a long suppressed and long unacknowledged love and listening to his words as though not he but vera were listening to them exclaimed vera my daughter do you understand what it means daughter little daughter my heart my blood my life your father your poor old father already gray and feeble his shoulders shook and all his heavy frame was convulsed with a shudder father ignati whispered tenderly as to a little child your poor father asks you yes verochka he entreats you he weeps he who never was so wont. your grief my little daughter your suffering are my own more than my own father ignati shook his head more verochka what is death to me an old man but you if only you had realized how tender weak and timid you were Do you remember how when you pricked your finger and the blood came, you began to cry, my little daughter? And you do indeed love me, love me dearly, I know. Every morning you kiss my hand. Speak, speak of what is grieving you, and I with these two hands will strangle your grief. They are still strong. Fear these hands. His locks shook. Speak, speak he fixed his eyes on the wall and stretching out his hands cried speak but the chamber was silent and from the far distance was borne in the sound of long and short whistles of a locomotive father ignati rolling his distended eyes as though there stood before him the frightful ghost of a mutilated corpse slowly raised himself from his knees, and with uncertain movement lifted his hand, with his fingers separated and nervously stretched out to his head. Going out by the door, Father Ignati sharply whispered the word, Speak! And the silence was the answer he received. Part Four. The next day, after an early and solitary dinner, Father Ignati went to the cemetery, for the first time since the death of his daughter. It was close, deserted, and still, as though the hot day were but an illumined night, but Father Ignati, as his habit was, with an effort straightened his back, looked sternly from side to side, and thought that he was the same as heretofore. He did not regard the new but terrible weakness of his legs, nor that his long beard had grown completely white, as though bitten by a hard frost. The way to the cemetery led through the long, straight street which sloped gently upwards, and at the end of which gleamed white the roof of the light gate, which was like a black, ever-open mouth, edged with gleaming teeth. Vera's grave lay in the very depth of the cemetery, where the graveled pathways ended, and Father Ignati had to wander for long on the narrow tracks, along a broken line of little mounds which protruded from the grass forgotten of all deserted of all here and there he came upon monuments sloping and green with age broken down railings and great heavy stones cast upon the ground and pressing it with a sort of grim senile malignity vera's grave was next to one of these stones it was covered with new sods already turning yellow while all around it was green. A rowan tree was intertwined with a maple and widely spreading clump of hazel stretched its pliant branches with rough-furred leaves over the grave. Sitting down on the neighboring tomb and sighing repeatedly, Father Ignati looked round, cast a glance at the cloudless desert sky in which the red-hot disk of the sun hung suspended in perfect immobility and then only become conscious of that profound stillness like nothing else in the world which holds sway over a cemetery when there is not a breath of wind to rustle the dead leaves and once more the thought came to father ignati that this was not stillness but silence it overflowed the very brick walls of the cemetery climbed heavily over them and submerged the city and its end was only there in those grey, stubbornly, obstinately silent eyes. Father Ignati shrugged his shoulders, which were becoming cold, and let his eyes fall on Vera's grave. He gazed down at the short little seared stalks of grass, which had been torn from the ground somewhere in the wide, wind-swept fields, and had failed to take root in the new soil. And he could now realize that there, under that grass, at a few feet from him, Levira, vera and this nearness seemed incomprehensible and imbued his soul with a confusion and strange alarm she of whom he was accustomed to think as having for ever disappeared in the dark depth of infinity was here close it was difficult to understand that nevertheless she was not and never would be again and it seemed to father ignati that if he spoke some word which he almost felt upon his lips or if he made some movement, Vera would come forth from the tomb, and stand up as tall and beautiful as ever. And not only would she arise, but that all the dead, who could be felt so awesome in their solemn, cold silence, would rise too. Father Ignati took off his black, wide-brimmed hat, smoothed his wavy locks, and said in a whisper, Vera, He became uneasy, lest he should be heard by some stranger, and stood upon the tomb and looked over the crosses. But there was no one near, and he repeated aloud, Vera. It was Father Ignati's old voice, dry and exacting, and it was strange that a demand made with such force remained without answer. Vera! Loud and persistently the voice called, and when it was silent for a moment it seemed as though somewhere below a vague answer resounded and father ignati looked once more around removed his hair from his ears and laid them on the rough prickly sod vera speak and father ignati felt with horror that something cold as the tomb penetrated his ear and froze the brain and that vera spoke but what she said was ever the same long silence It became ever more and more alarming and terrible, and when Father Ignati dragged his head with an effort from the ground, pale as that of a corpse, it seemed to him that the whole air trembled and vibrated with a resonant silence, as though a wild storm had arisen on that terrible sea. The silence choked him. It kept rolling backwards and forwards through his head in icy waves and stirred his hair, It broke against his bosom, which groaned beneath the shocks. Trembling all over, casting from side to side quick, nervous glances, he slowly raised himself and strove with torturing efforts to straighten his back and to restore the proud carriage to his trembling body. And in this he succeeded. With slow deliberation he shook the dust from his knees, put on his hat, made the sign of the cross three times over the grave, and went with even firm gait, and yet did not recognize the well-known cemetery, and lost his way. Lost my way, he laughed, and stood still at the branching paths. He stood still for a moment, and then without thinking turned to the left, because it was impossible to stand still and wait. The silence pursued him. It rose from the green graves, the grim gray crosses breathed it, It came forth in thin, suffocating streams from every pore of the ground, which was sated with corpses. Father Ignati's steps became quicker and quicker. Dazed, he went round the same paths again and again. He leapt the graves, stumbled over the railings, grasped the prickly tin wreaths, and soft stuff tore to pieces in his hands. Only one thought, that of getting out, was left in his head he rushed from side to side and at last ran noiselessly a tall figure almost unrecognizable in his streaming cassock with his hair floating in the air more frightened than at the sight of a corpse risen from the grave would have been any one who had met this wild figure of a man running leaping waving his arms if he had recognized his mad distorted face and heard the dull rattle that escaped from his open mouth At full run Father Ignati jumped out upon the little square at the end of which stood the low white mortuary chapel. In the porch on a little bench there dozed an old man who looked like a pilgrim from afar, and near him two old beggar women were flying at one another, quarrelling and scolding. When Father Ignati reached home it was already getting dark, and the lamp was lit in Olga Stepanovna's room. Without change of clothes or removing his hat, torn and dusty he came hurriedly to his wife and fell on his knees mother olga pity me he sobbed i'm going out of my mind he beat his head against the edge of the table and sobbed tumultuously painfully as a man does who never weeps he lifted his head confident that in a moment a miracle would be performed and that his wife would speak and pity him dear. With his whole big body he stretched out towards his wife and met the look of the gray eyes. In them there was neither compassion nor anger. Maybe his wife forgave and pitied him, but in those eyes there was neither pity nor forgiveness. They were dumb and silent, and the whole desolate house was silent. End of section 11. Recording by Mary Schneider.